0: Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Second Corinthians chapter 9. Every Sunday morning, I give the men back in the sound booth the title of the message so they can put it on the CD. And this morning, I used one word to describe the message. And later on, I got to thinking, you know, if we wanted to be more dramatic, uh, maybe a better title would be, A Terrific Trio of Tremendous Truths, A Terrific Trio of Tremendous Truths, and you'll see what I mean in just a little bit. The title that I gave them was just the one word, Unspeakable. And here in 2 Corinthians 9, in verse number 15, Paul says, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. You know, there are some things that are just simply indescribable, breathtaking beyond description. The bliss of your wedding night, a newborn baby, the majestic mountains, the vastness of the ocean, the stars at night, and the list goes on and on. But none of these things can ever compare to the wonders that we find in Christ. The one who is described as being altogether lovely. When we talk about the person and work of Christ, our Redeemer and our redemption, We come to the point that it's just inexhaustible, it's immeasurable, it's indescribable. And notice here in our text this morning, Paul uses the word unspeakable. And that English word unspeakable is used three times in the Bible, and uh, and we're going to look at each one of those instances, and that's why I said at the beginning, this is a terrific trio of tremendous truths. And in this first one, we see that God has provided for those in need help. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Now, when we think about the gift of God, why we often refer to it as salvation or eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life. But understand that eternal life is not in a plan, it's not in a program, it's in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. So we're talking about Christ. And by the way, He is the very help that mankind needed. When we were lost and undone, when we were helpless, Without God in this world, God provided help in the person of Christ. And when Paul speaks of this, he says it's just unspeakable. And I can think of at least three reasons why he might have said that it's unspeakable in its design. In other words, Christ is the gift that meets our deepest needs. And there is no other gift to compare to the Lord Jesus Christ. In its very design, because way back yonder, somewhere in eternity past, there in the eternal council halls of God, God with His great wisdom and awesome love already Realized exactly, precisely, what man would do. And he had a plan way back there. Before we were ever created, he knew exactly what was going to happen. And he, back there, predetermined that Christ would be the help that fallen humanity needed. So, It's unspeakable in its design, but not only that, it's unspeakable in its dimensions. Because the Bible says, God so loved the world. And we think about the fact that Christ died for all. The writer in Hebrews said, He tasted death for every man. So there's not a person on the face of the earth that can say that God has failed to provide the help that I need. I'm so glad that we are not among those who believe for whatever warped reason that God only died for a few select elect that He decided upon without any choice on our part. God so loved the world and Jesus tasted death for every man. So whenever you, whenever you think about that, you think about in the very dimensions, in the distribution of this gift, it is absolutely amazing. An old writer by the name of Alexander Smiley, spelled smelly, literally, many, many years ago, he said, Jesus baffles computation. He is far-reaching and so wide. I cannot describe His breath. He meets all of the requirements of my many-sided nature, body, mind, memory, imagination, conscience, will, heart. I cannot estimate the length. From eternity past, He loved me, and through eternity future, His love will last without end and without change. I cannot fathom His depth. He fathoms my, my sharpest sorrow, my bitterest agony, my fiercest temptation, my foulest sin. I cannot scale His height. He transforms me into His own holy likeness and will soon bring me into His presence up and up to the heart and to the house of the Father. Boy, he hit the nail on the head. Amen? And that was his way of saying that when we think about Christ, when we think about the help that we have in the Son of God, it's something that we cannot only not understand, we can't even begin to explain it. This is indescribable. But that's just one part of this trio of, Tremendous truths. Not only do we find help, but also we find hope. Turn to chapter 12 with this same letter, 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 4. Many of you will recognize this as being Paul's experience as he relates the fact that he knew a man 14 years before that had been caught up into the third heaven I have no doubt of what Paul is speaking about himself, but out of the depths of his humility, he refers to himself as just a man that he knew. Whether in the body or out of the body, he says, I could not tell. And there, there in that experience of being caught up into heaven, he says, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. This is Paul's explanation of his experience when he was caught up into the third heaven. And, and what he saw and what he heard was beyond description. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about Paul, a man who is actually a gifted orator. if he chooses to use that ability. He's a man with a brilliant mind, a good education, A man who had the gift of tongues, that is, he's able to speak in other languages not formally acquired, that if the occasion arose that God would enable him to speak in some language that he knew absolutely nothing about. But of this experience, he has to describe it as being something simply unspeakable. Some fellow here in this area... And I, and I know, no doubt, and I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but some fellow wrote a book about an experience that he had died and go to heaven and came back and wrote a book about it. And, in fact, different people have asked me if I've read it and if I would read it. And my answer in both cases was, no, I haven't. No, I won't, because I don't believe it. Paul's caught up in the third heaven, and what he saw there was something that was absolutely unspeakable. He didn't come back and write a book about it. And I believe whatever heaven is like, that it is beyond anything that we can put in words. Brother Nolan sings a song, "...heaven is better than this." And that is exactly right, because nothing here on earth can compare with what awaits us there." He said in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 9, "...I have not seen, nor hath ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him." In other words, it's beyond our imagination. And, and I always think about that song. Bev said she wants the song sung at her funeral, I Can Only Imagine. Well, I don't know how else to say it, Right? I can only imagine, and you can stretch your imagination to infinite proportions, and still you can never really capture all of what heaven is like, because heaven is better than this, or anything that we can imagine. And we can thank God because of the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ that provides us the help that we need, that now we have the hope of heaven in our heart. And having the assurance of heaven changes the way we view everything else in this life. We live every day knowing the best is always yet to come. And that whatever we're going through, that God is going to use that in some good way. That's why we rejoice so often in that glorious truth of Romans eight twenty eight that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord of the called according to His purpose. And we have the assurance of God's Word, the assurance of the one who cannot lie, that all of these bad, painful experiences that we go through, that we are so prone to complain about, God says, I'm going to use all of that for some good. Amen? Because you see... Look, God's not through when our life here on earth ends. That's just the beginning. And whatever you're going through at the present time is something that God is going to use to prepare you for future eternal service in His kingdom. Think about that. Let that sink in a little while. I often think about Christ, and the Bible says He learned obedience by the things that He suffered. Well, Jesus didn't have to learn obedience in the sense that that He needed to learn to obey God. That's not the point at all. He lived a life of perfect obedience. He never sinned. He never violated one commandment in any way whatsoever. He was the only perfect man that ever lived. So what was it that He learned through this experience? Well, it's the fact that... That whenever He ascended back to heaven, He ascended back to fulfill His ministry as our great high priest. And now we have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities because He went through whatever you and I have to go through in this life. I mean, how else could He be touched with the feelings of our infirmities unless He had been through that? Now, that was Him. And whatever it is that you're going through in life, however painful it is, things that you would never choose for yourself, things that you can't even begin to understand, God's going to use all of those things in some glorious way in future ministry. Whenever Paul... tries to describe that experience of being there, he says it's just it's unspeakable. And I want you to know that's the hope that each and every person can have today, that hope of heaven in your heart. And whenever you have that, it changes your view about everything else that you go through in life. You see, heaven's not just about what happens later on, when we're living in the light of that glorious truth, it not only enables us to enjoy life more, it enables us to endure whatever it is that we have to go through. It enables us to engage in Christian ministry because we realize that, you know, we shouldn't go to heaven alone, amen, that we ought to take others. So it affects absolutely every area of your life, and I... I can't hardly imagine someone getting up every day and facing the world and thinking about eternity without the hope of heaven in their heart. Thank God that we have help and we have hope. Now turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 8. And here in verse number 8, we see the third time this word unspeakable is used. 1 Peter 1 and verse 8 whom having not seen, ye love. Speaking of Christ, of course. We haven't seen Christ, but he says we love Him, in whom though now ye see Him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Notice the word joy there. That speaks about an inner gladness. It's Speaks about delight or rejoicing. And this word is different than the word happiness, because happiness depends on happenings. Joy depends on Jesus. But I use the word happiness here in the outline because of the fact that if you have joy, you will be happy regardless of circumstances. Somebody says, well, you know, if 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 I could just get rid of this, or if I could just get that, then I'd be happy. But if you just get a good dose of joy, you'll be happy all of the time, regardless of the circumstances. Now, we might not be pleased with all of the circumstances in life, but we can have pleasure in spite of those circumstances. I don't think anybody here would enjoy a good migraine headache, but I don't think anybody here would enjoy getting the news from the doctor when you have cancer or heart disease or some diagnosis like that. We wouldn't enjoy that. We wouldn't take pleasure in that. But thank God we can have pleasure. We can enjoy life in spite of all of those things. Regardless, There is happiness. And notice he says, it is a joy that is unspeakable. Something you can't describe. Something the world can't explain. And I want you to realize this is crucial for every Christian because as the Bible says in Nehemiah 18, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, if I lose my joy, I can't lose my salvation Thank God for that. Amen. We are eternally secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I might get out of fellowship with my Heavenly Father, but I, I'm never disowned by my Heavenly Father. My relationship remains intact, although my fellowship is broken, and although I am justified in Christ Jesus for all of eternity... I can, just like David, lose the joy of my salvation. And when we do, we become weak Christians. And by that, I mean that our ability to resist temptation is weakened. You see, this is a dangerous place to be. No doubt, if, you know, if someone saw one of the other members staggering out of a bar, This last week, they would think, my, that person is putting themselves in great danger. If you saw one, someone smoking a joint, you would think to yourself, you know, if they're really saved, they're headed for trouble. And these are things, you know, that Christians shouldn't do. And that's all true, but listen... So many times we look at people that ought to be joyful, people that ought to be rejoicing, and there's no joy there. And and I tell you, I've I've got to wonder about what's wrong with people like that, because there's some reason when joy is absent in a Christian life, there's some reason for it. And that reason is usually associated with sin of some kind, whether it's the sin of worry or whatever it is, something that strips us of our joy and something that although we're saved, we are quite miserable. So our resistance to temptation is weakened, but also our testimony before others is destroyed. I mean, can you imagine some Christians inviting their next-door neighbor to to attend church, and you know, we got that blank stare on our face, and we're never happy, and we're always complaining. And you know, the first impression they get is, "I don't need what you got." I mean, if you're that miserable being a Christian, I, you know, I I don't need that. I've already got something better than that. We destroy our testimony whenever we lose our joy. We weaken ourselves by way of, of temptation when we lose our joy. And the list goes on and on. And we need to discover the reason and we need to deal with it. Why is it that we've lost our joy? Because, we listen to me, there's a reason for it and we cannot regain it just through human effort. In other words, we can't just have the tenacity of a bulldog, and scotch our feet and square our shoulders and set our jaw and determine, I'm going to be more joyful. Have you ever tried to do that? It doesn't work. And the song leader can get up and say, All right, everybody stand, put a big smile on your face and wave your hands if you love Jesus and turn around and smile and tell somebody you love them. And that doesn't work. You see, joy can't come from any source other than God. It's a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, listen, joy has to come from Him. It's the only place you can get real, true joy. Now, you can get excitement. You can go to the football game and get excitement, but you can't get real, true joy anywhere except in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not something you can fabricate. It's not something that you can create in and of yourself. It's something that God has to do in your life. And He, listen, He provides that unspeakable joy when we meet the conditions that have been stipulated in His Word. And the wonderful thing about the joy that He gives is that the world can't take it away. Regardless of how bad circumstances are, we can still be a joyful people. The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. In other words, if you're a Christian and you don't have the joy of the Lord residing in you, then you gave it up. For whatever reason, you surrendered it. And your prayer ought to be restoring to me the joy of thy salvation. I'm so glad that God has made provision that we can be a happy people here upon the earth. And if you're here today and you need help, Jesus is said to be a very present help in a time of trouble. He is your help. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If you need hope, the Bible says Jesus is the hope of glory. He's the hope that we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. If you need happiness, the psalmist said, Whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is He. In other words, He's the one in whom our soul delights. And here in our verse it tells us that we have this joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe back before you ever trusted Christ as your Savior, or it might be even since then, you've known somebody that's gone through really difficult times. And all of the time throughout that experience, they had a joyful spirit. And you wondered to yourself, what makes them different than everybody else? What is it that sets them apart? How is it that, even with all of these hardships, they can be so so joyful, and it makes a deep, long lasting impression on you when you see somebody like that. Listen, that's what your neighbor ought to see in you that joy that the world can't take away if you're defeated, and by the way, if you're unsaved, you are defeated whether you realize it or not. The Bible says of the unsaved, they're taken captive of the devil at his will. You're defeated already. It's not a matter of you needing a new start. You need a new heart. It's not a matter of you trying to reform your life. You need to be reborn. And if you're defeated, I want you to know this morning that there is help to be had. And that's in the person of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're in a state of despair, I want you to understand that there is hope. If you're here today and you are depressed, there is happiness provided by the Lord. And this is one of those messages where there's, I can't find a stopping point. There's no, there's no place to end. It just goes on and on. And notice what Peter said. We haven't seen Him Well, we think about that a lot, don't we? We haven't seen Him yet. We're going to. We're going to see Him. But although we haven't seen Him, notice He says, we love Him. And notice He says, and we believe and we rejoice. And for a lot of folks, the reason they don't rejoice is because they don't believe and they don't believe because they haven't fell in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. This word, rejoice, is exactly the same word. If you look back in verse number 6, you find these three English words there. It's one Greek word, ye greatly rejoice. And actually, it's a compound Greek word that means to jump, it means to gush, it means to leap, it means to spring up, literally, it means to jump much or to leap for joy, to jump with happy excitement to be exceedingly joyful, overjoyed, exuberant, and, and the list goes on and on and on. I guess maybe you could define it best by saying exactly the opposite of what you see in the average Baptist church. Because we get up and we sing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And, and people just you know sit or stand there like a calf looking at a new gate, totally unimpressed by that. And I want you to understand there's something wrong when we get to that place. Like old Vans Havner said, I've seen more pleasant faces on iodine bottles, you know, the skull and the crossbones than I have in some, in some churches. And it shouldn't ever be like that. We ought to be a joyful people because joy is provided and comes from the hope that we have as a result of the help that Jesus gives By the way, this is the same word, exactly the same word that Mary used whenever it was discovered that she was going to be the birth of her Messiah. She rejoiced. This is the same word. I I just can't imagine her just sitting there with a stoic expression on her face saying, "Well, Well, that's interesting, you know, that's really good news, yeah. It's the same word that's used to describe the Philippian jailer whenever Paul and Silas remember at midnight and they preached to him and he and his household were saved. And it talks about him rejoicing. Uh, Same word. The question is, does that describe you? Do you have that kind of joy this morning? Let me ask another question. Should that describe you? Now think about it. Well, the answer is obvious. Sure, it ought to describe every Christian. And that raises another question. Then why doesn't it describe every Christian? And maybe the most important question is, what are we going to do about it? When we've lost that joy, as Vans Havner, I believe it was, said, we've lost the wonder. When we get out of touch with heavenly things when we lose the wonder of the One who is altogether lovely, the fairest of ten thousand, the lily of the valley, the bright and the morning star, when we lose the wonder of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of a sudden we find ourselves without any joy in this old sinful world. The only hope, folks, for a happy life comes from God through the person of Jesus Christ. As long as you're in this world, you're not going to be able to escape suffering. Regardless of how godly you are, how rich you are, how good you are, you're going to suffer. We all do. Man that's born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble, the Bible says. You can't escape it, but I promise you, you can endure it. The grace of God is sufficient to enable us to endure whatever it is that we're we're brought face to face with. So even if you're going through a great difficulty in your life, because of this terrific trio of tremendous truths, that there is help for you, there's hope for you, there's happiness that can be had. If you will receive His help, if you will rest in His hope, if you will rejoice out of happiness, it can make... A difference in your life and your effectiveness in reaching others. Now, I want you to notice how our text here in 1 Peter ends. Notice these words We rejoice with what? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Do you have any idea of what that means? And full of glory. Now, we all know there is a glory to come, right? a glory that we anticipate and we look forward to that. But here he's speaking about the present, not the prospect. Notice the word now in that verse. He's talking about present tense. He's talking about where we are right here in this ugly, nasty, difficult world that we live in we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So this is a present experience. It's not a prospective expectation that we have. And he tells us that we have inexpressible joy. It's it's unspeakable. A joy that's beyond anything the world can understand or explain. An immeasurable glory. It's... Joy unspeakable, and notice it's full of glory. If you just summed all of that up in one, one little short phrase, it would be this: a little bit of heaven on earth. We're headed for glory, amen. We're headed for glory. We anticipate that, but even at this moment, there is glory. Within us, as the children of God, in Second Corinthians, in chapter number three, in the last part of that verse, and this is the key for every single Christian. He tells us that we that we grow, we develop, we mature as Christians by focusing upon the Lord, and we look as in a glass, that is in a mirror, and we behold the glory. Now, those of you that never spend any time reading the Bible, of course, you, you have no idea what he's talking about. But every one of us, every single day, ought to saturate our soul in the Word of God that we keep looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, that regardless of our circumstances, that we consider Him who endured hard trials and the cross at Calvary for our sake. And as we do, as we behold His glory, the Bible says we are changed from glory to glory. Again, this is all what's happening now, not later. And so as we begin to mature in our Christian life, we're changed from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory until someday we get to glory. Thank God that here even in this life that we have a joy that is unspeakable and a a joy that is full of glory. We get full of glory it will help us endure the grief that we go through and the hardships that we encounter. I love what Jesus said there in the upper room in John chapter 17. And He is this is actually the Lord's Prayer. And as He is encouraging His followers to go on without Him because He's about to be crucified... And as he prays, he makes this statement in verse number 22, And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. In other words, this glory is something that we already have as the children of God, but we need a glory that is unspeakable, full of glory, something that is beyond anything that we can measure And, of course, when we get to heaven, it will all be glory. The Bible describes Jesus as the Lord of glory. We can't see Him now, but we can sense Him. Am I telling you the truth? We can sense Him through the eyes of faith. We can know that He is within us and that He is within our midst, that He is present among us. And the elation that comes from that experience can only be described as joy that is unspeakable. It might be you're here this morning and you're in good health and you're still young and strong and vibrant. You've already saved up some money in the bank, and so you're looking good financially. You're through with your education. Your feet firmly planted on the ground, and everything is going your way. And yet, when it gets down to the most basic, fundamental needs of a person's life, those are all missing. And I want you to understand that there's hope this morning. There's hope because God provided you help. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. There is help for you. If you die and go to hell, you'll have to step over the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to get there. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus died for you. And as a result of that, He wants you to live every day with this unspeakable hope of heaven in your heart and a happiness that is beyond anything that anyone can explain. And what I want you to see, even with you thinking that everything is on a firm foundation, if these things are missing in your life, it's not. And you need to deal with that this morning. Just like I've been talking to the Christians, if joy is absent, there's something wrong in your life. I mean, something seriously wrong in your life. And I don't know why folks won't get honest about it, because everybody else knows. It's not like you're hiding the fact that you don't have any joy. Everybody that knows you knows that you just act like you're miserable all the time. And you need to deal with that. It's not only hurting you, it's hurting everybody you come in contact with. And if you've lost the joy of your salvation, I'll tell you what, I'd plant my face before the throne of God this morning. I wouldn't leave this building until He gave it back to me. You're not going to be able to survive out here in this dog-eat-dog world without the joy of the Lord. There's no reason for you to go another day without it. And your prayer ought to be restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And if you're here and you've never received his salvation, that's your first order of business. Would you trust him this morning? He came and provided help for you as a gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You can't earn it, it's a gift. You have to receive it. If you haven't, would you this morning while we stand as we sing here in just a little while and extend this invitation to you? Maybe you're thinking, well, preacher, I've got so many questions. There's so much that I don't understand. And I just need somebody to take take the Bible and take me by the hand and just show me more clearly than what you've been able to explain. Well, if you come, I promise you we'll do just that because you're not going to get saved just walking down the aisle and muttering a prayer. Salvation comes as a result of you knowing that you are a sinner in need of salvation, that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh and He loved you and died for you. He paid your sin debt. And if you will by faith receive Him, you can be born again. It's not any more complicated than that, but it's indescribable, unspeakable. Would you receive that gift this morning? While we sing together, you come.